good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So smooth, so sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort or 1,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff, and joining me for this abbreviated episode are Anthony DeBundo and BJ Cunningham. Before I bring those two gentlemen in uh, to break down the this weekend's five-game Premier League slate, we'll also do a little Bundesliga, Serie A, La Liga, Ligue 1, and a real treat, uh, some Asian Cup and African Cup of Nations uh, betting tidbits from BJ. Uh, but before we get to all that good stuff, a reminder that Wonder Goal is proudly presented by Bet365, and Bet365 doesn't do ordinary. It believes that every sport should be epic, every tournament, every game, every point, every play, from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up with the promo code ACTION, and you get $365 in bonus bets when you bet just $1. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. You must be 21 or older. And you also must be present in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, or Virginia. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, please call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia, or 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, like I said, five Premier League matches uh, coming up here. This is the part of the season where it starts to get a little tricky because you're just the schedules get all wonky. The fixtures have piled up. Teams will be playing FA Cup, you know, replays if you're ever in, you know, midweek some some weeks. And uh, there is some uh, homework to be done here. Uh, but I think the first one is pretty straightforward. And the headliner uh, is pretty straightforward. It's Newcastle and Man City uh, meeting in the Northeast at St. James Park. Newcastle is a plus 450 underdog city traveling minus 182 favorite. Uh, the draw here is plus 333. Uh, I'm just going to kick it right over to you, BJ. I think mm-hmm. we'd all be in agreement here that it's that City is probably not the way you want to look, but there are obviously still uh, concerns for, for Newcastle. Hmm. Yeah. Um, since we've talked, you know, Newcastle got things back on track a little bit, beating Sunderland in the FA Cup. Um, yeah, that, that, that's what does but, it, baby. But is that the only thing that's happened since we've talked? That's I think the, it was another game. Before that. another game. Um. We had a record, a Premier League record for expected goals created in a match. Uh, Depending on the model you look at, it really doesn't matter, but uh, Liverpool created just north of seven expected goals against Newcastle on (laughs) New Year's Day. Oh, man. Where did they play the game? They played at Anfield. Ah, yes. Fortress. Yeah, yeah, Fortress, where nobody can win. Uh, Newcastle looks broken. Like, there's really no other way to describe it. Um, Their press isn't working. Uh, And the fact that if they do decide to play more passive, which I thought in a 4-5-1, they had a chance of doing against Liverpool. I was wrong. You know, under three and a half and Newcastle plus one and a half. You can chalk those up as the worst 
my worst bets of the Premier League season. I don't think it'll get worse than that. Maybe it will. Who knows? Um, but the fact that Newcastle can't really apply the pressure that we've been seeing from Eddie Howe over and over again is really, really concerning. And, you know, the last time that these two met, City basically just controlled the match. Nothing really happened in it. They got an early goal and then just kind of sat on it. And Newcastle wasn't able to win the ball off of them. But I have real concerns here about how Newcastle is going to disrupt City's build-up play. Uh, City is getting fully healthy now. They have everybody at, at, at their disposal. And that's a real all problem. Sick, though. Isn't Newcastle. everybody on Man City sick right now? They might be. Um, yeah, I think they're being ra- can, a little We are recording this on Wednesday. So, you know, yeah, Michael, keep an people eye on that. Heal. I think there are some, yeah. uh, there's something going around in yeah, the city. Yeah, it's like Silva and Akanji. Or, you know, Silva is the only one right now that has uh, is noted on the injury report. Holland is doubtful, um, which, you know, makes a good case there for Newcastle. But I think we need to give Newcastle some time here to whether we want to buy on them. Because I've tried. Like, I've tried to buy on them against Nottingham Forest, and they got beat pretty badly. I tried to buy on them against Liverpool. They got beat pretty badly. And I tried to actually bet against them. I bet on Sunderland in the FA Cup, and they beat them. So I can't really figure out this team right now. So I'm just going to pass on this one. Uh, The number is a little too high. I only had City around minus 120. So the value, I think, is on Newcastle, especially if Allen's not going to play. But... They just look broken right now. Like I don't really know what the solution is unless they can get their high press back. So unless we start seeing signs of that, um, I can't. I can't buy low on Newcastle. The uh, I don't. It's it's kind of hard to think of a time when a team needs to be downgraded this drastically, this quickly, or you're even considering it. Like you can talk about Chelsea last year, but that was Chelsea never really got going. Like Newcastle started the season fine. They were they were pretty yeah. playing pretty well. We were talking about them and you know, as a Champions League uh team that that could have and should have probably got out of the group of death um by the time that, that league started, uh, I should say. Like you you probably put them ahead of uh Dortmund and uh Milan in, in that group. But yeah, it's 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 going downhill fast and it's also getting weird with like Eddie Howe, who went from being is he the best manager in the world back around Halloween to how much longer does he have? Um, so there's, there's like a lot of little fires everywhere here with Newcastle making them a little unappealing uh, against Man City. I would be tempted here at home, like in this spot, but uh, especially with the way like City hasn't set the world on fire, but we do expect them to kind of click it into gear at some point. Uh, Anthony, and they are Anthony, really good. At, they t- are really good at home. Like, like we forget that they're like one of the worst road teams in the Premier League. So, you know, going to Anfield, I guess, was you know a bad spot for them. And really, their only bad performance at home has really been against Nottingham Forest over the last you know few months. They're still putting up an insane expectable differential at home. So you could make the case that way, but their defense is really, really bad right now. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's the transition defense that's really alarming, right? Like they're getting done to them what they did to teams. Uh, it's like, we're going to hit you on the break. We're going to get these 1v1s. Your defense is going to not be able to withstand the pressure. And we're going to get a ton of big scoring chances off of not a lot of shots. Because like the shots per game are only up a little bit, but the XG per shot is insane. Since that Bournemouth match, which is really like the, the, the turning point, uh, 2.5 XGA per 90, that is dead last in the Prem. It doesn't even include that they conceded four and a half to PSG, almost two to Milan in that second matchup in the Champions League. Uh, you know, 
we came into the year and remember back in the, in the season, early in the season when the market would steam under every match and we would say, well, this attack, like they can't keep doing this. Uh, it turns out the defense fell off a cliff before first before the attack because the attack is still pretty good. Uh, I was actually looking to play an over here, but the number is a little bit higher than I make it. So uh, I'm still not sure how to price this defense either. It's a classic example of like, okay, sometimes teams have dips in form and it's just a dip in form and the market overreacts. Sometimes the market is right, right? And like the market is ahead of the, the fact that this team is completely cliff, uh, falling off a cliff. And in this case, like, I don't even know what to do with my priors on Newcastle because yeah, I show value on them every week too. Because like, if you bake in a lot more of the data from, you know, the last year and a half when they were very good, you can't overreact to one sample where they've been a below average Premier League team. But like with every passing match, it just feels more and more likely. The question is like, okay, yes, we know they went through this insane period where they played a shit ton of matches. What happens when they come out of that? Do they have their legs again? Are they going to start rotating through players? Are they going to, you know, take advantage of this, you know, quote unquote time off where they didn't play as many matches? Uh, they have this match, then they're going to have some real time off uh, until the end of the month. So, you know, what does that look like for this team? I really don't know. Like we can't know until we figure out like, you know, they're, how are they going to play? Um, their, their XG per shot attempt is over 0.15 in seven of their last nine matches. And the only one that doesn't count for that uh, was Fulham who played without a, without a man for most of the match. So they're just conceding way too many big chances in transition. They're getting dribbled on very easily. It's all signs of a team that's tired and, and can't stop teams uh, on the break. I think a good litmus test after this match, they're going to play as- away at Aston Villa on January 30th. So they'll have. I looked a good at the number, by the way. What is it? What do you think it is? Villa at home? New Villa minus 120? Yeah, 110. 110? I was okay. looking at it like, oh man, like we're going to look back and laugh if like Newcastle doesn't have their lights yeah. on them. Like that's just like a bad line. Well, they, if you remember, they they destroyed Aston Villa right out of the gates to begin the they did. season. So now they get this break, and so that that'll be a really really interesting match. Uh, so that's I, good I think Newcastle's kind think. of a stay away for me right now, though. Yeah, I don't want to bet them, but like think about this: like Everton just played City, same same spot, same line. So that's how far the market has downgraded Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, well, Everton's the best team in the world. We know that. Yeah, we'll we'll get to Everton. Uh, the Everton party, the, the the weekly Everton party in, in a couple games here. Uh, just over there, since November 1, uh, most teams have played 10 games uh, since then. City's four wins, four draws, and a loss. Uh, their expected points are a little bit higher than that. Say it's been, they've been a little unlucky, but that's that's the other kind of thing that's weighing on this one here is like, are they ready for the picking? But then, like you said, you look at Newcastle. It's, it's uh, it's tough. It, it does feel like a, one of those situations where the best bet you can make in this game is probably to bet on another match. So let's do that. Uh, United and Spurs up next. Oh, man. Man United, plus 120 at home. Uh, Anthony's Tottenham Hot Spurs traveling as a plus 200 underdog, and the draw is plus 275 on uh, two teams that I, you can say have kind of, in a weird way, over the past, uh, I don't know, the second half of the first half of the season, have taken different routes to get to mediocrity. Um, Both have even goal differentials since that November 1st uh, date that I talked about where each team has played 10 matches. 
each team is basically 500 in terms of uh, wins and losses uh, with a, with a draw sprinkled in there. It's like are these teams just bang bang like the same like in terms of like your power ratings mm-hmm. like here I think it it kind of feels that way and that makes the line look just about right so uh a pass for me I think it's a pretty good game to uh, have some fun and and live trade if you want Anthony yeah I mean uh Spurs without Sonny probably yes I would agree right like Tottenham has played some pretty diabolical defensive lineups in the last few weeks and they've played some pretty awful defense as a result. Uh, they have brought in a winger who I expect to start in this winger slash forward, whatever you want to call him at this point, wide forward, not really a striker, but Timo Werner is back, baby. Yeah, and I, I, I'm, I'm so, I'm so excited for this because like the story of Timo oh, Werner, man. most like premier league fans who don't really watch Germany will look at Timo Werner and say, oh, that guy stunk. And it's like a weird story, right? Because Werner was a really good young, you know, forward at Stuttgart and Leipzig. Was putting up like 0.65 XG per 90 in the Bundesliga and finishing well above those numbers that got him the move to Chelsea. And he played in a Chelsea team that was kind of, you know, it was very Tuchel at the beginning, especially like very constrained. Uh, there was, was not a ton placed on attacking. Like they were a very defensive outfit. And his numbers predictably dropped because, you know, you go from the Bundesliga to the Prem, you go from like 0.65 XG per 90 to like 0.45 per 90 XG, which is about like a league average mid-table to above average striker, which is like what I think he is in the Prem. And he was also giving them good numbers in passing, like expected assists were pretty good. Key passes were pretty good. So you could justify it. But the problem was he went into this huge finishing slump and obviously it got in his head a little bit. Uh, He's not like the most textbook natural ball striker. So he had this horrible slump that was coincided with when the most eyeballs were on him. And then he goes back to Germany uh, and even toward the end of his Chelsea career, the numbers on the finishing started to tick back up again to the point where he's just like an average finisher over his career. And here's the difference though. It's his German numbers the second time around since he's gone back to Leipzig have been worse. Uh, and so, you know, his XG numbers are down. They're, they're closer to like what he was doing in the Prem, which given you went from the Prem to the German Bundesliga, you should go up in your production. It's just a more attacking league. So I'm kind of uncertain about Timo right now, but uh, they certainly needed something because they can't roll out like Brian Heal or uh, like, what are the options? You know, Brennan Johnson is okay. He's been okay for them. But like, I think he can get them some shots. He'll get space in behind to run into, which is what he loves. So I'm intrigued by what he looks like in this team. I'm excited for it. As far as his match goes, like, I don't know, man. Like, Brighton and Spurs closed to pick him against one another two weeks ago. United's a favorite now. Is that reasonable? Uh, you know, obviously we all bet Brighton. Now I think the number's kind of right. So United, you know, some interesting news here on attack. They might... Like, there's still some uncertainty. They might get Lissandro Martinez back. Like, there's a possibility. I don't think he'd start here, but there's a possibility he's back. Otherwise, like, it's the same United team we've been seeing them roll out. And, you know, they had that one second half against Villa and then followed it up with, like, a pretty lackluster display against Forrest, you know, a week later. So what is this United team? They're, they're just very average. Yeah, I mean, so there's some positive injury news for Tottenham. Uh, 
looks like Vandeven is going to be back for this match, which is massive for Tottenham's ability to defend and transition. Obviously, when they want to try to overload. Um, but Tottenham, I think he's going to. I think it's going to be him and Royale again, right? Davies yeah. is out. Well, Dragison's coming over from Genoa. Yeah, but he's uh, not going to. He hasn't even <laughs> yeah, done the move yet, though. Yeah, he um, won't start. Yeah, but you know, Tottenham's midfield has been kind of ripped apart here. You know, Basuma and Saw right. are both off to the Afcon. Uh, Lacelso looks doubtful here. So what is going to be like skip? Uh, Skip Benton Kerr. Benton Kerr would be their midfield here. Um, yeah, it's not great. Not, it's not great. Um, but United doesn't even over. play a midfield. They don't because now Amrabat's off to AFCON as well. And I want to point this out because we're going to be uh, – I sent this to Anthony last night when we talk about Arsenal next week. But uh, our guy Mark Stats, um, who's a brilliant follow on Twitter, you should all follow him, put out these uh, ball progression uh, efficiency, uh, which is basically – um, players who can move the ball forward at the same time and essentially not lose possession. So how good are you at ball carrying? And United, Amrabat has actually been in the 80th percentile of that. McTominay's in the 33rd, which is not really that surprising. So now that Amrabat's off to AFCON, Casemiro being injured, it's probably going to be Erickson McTominay double pivot again, which is what we've been seeing. It hasn't really been working for United. Uh, Hoyland's been terrible in ball progression because... Well, they signed him up to be more of a transitional type striker. They didn't ask him to be this type of ball progressor. He's somebody who gets in behind the behind the, the back line, which if Tom's to play a high line, he could maybe have a good game here. But is he going to actually be able to do that? I'm not so sure. So, um, yeah, this is a pass. Like you said, Michael, I think this is a good live betting opportunity. I was looking at the over here, but now the band event's back and Son's out. It's probably Richarlison up top for, for Tottenham would be my guess. So I'm not sure. Yeah, he's been, a, he's been better, Richarlison. His better, numbers yes. have ticked up. XG's up. He's been healthier. I, I, I'm intrigued by that. But yeah, I think the, the lack of midfield for both teams kind of just means that both teams just kind of turn this into basketball again. Like yeah. it was very evident how many times Bournemouth was able to play one long pass and completely like immediately one pass. And it was just like, oh, they have a three-on-three. Three, or, oh, they have a three-on-two. Or, oh, they have a four-on-three against Spurs. And that's like the one thing I still think United's good at. I mean, we saw it against Villa. Like, they're very capable of, you know, running in behind and having good runners and Rashford and and uh, and Bruno playing those passes. Like, that's what they're good at, especially if they do start Erickson as well. There's just a lot of high-risk passing in that midfield. And there's not a lot of midfielding in that midfield. So... It just it just screams over to me from a tactical perspective. And Tottenham, uh, there's been since November three point seven eight expected goals combined per match in Spurs matches, Sec- uh, third highest uh, ahead of or behind only Chelsea and Newcastle. So those are the three like cocaine ball teams right now, which is kind of wild given what we know about those teams. But yeah, I mean Tottenham just like I mean how do you bet Spurs unders? I'm sorry. It's just like insane. I, I thought I had one with Bournemouth last week and then all of a sudden it was 1-0 after 75 and it was 3-1 by the end of the game. So just crazy open and it's fun, but like they're not playing any, even with Van de Ven in like first game back, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. No midfield in front of him. All right. Uh, by the way, February 23rd, uh, make sure you're in on what will be a, uh, a required play from at least you two. Uh, that's Timo Werner to score two plus at Chelsea or against Chelsea. Uh, Everton oh, yeah. and Villa. I thought you were going to say gold boot at the Euros. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that <laughs> in a few months. Uh, which is No a, way you know, he starts in a Nagelsmann team a, for what it's worth. It is a year. Say that again, Anthony? No way he starts in a Nagelsmann team. He does. That would be electric, though. Okay. Uh, we'll do that podcast in a couple months. Yeah. Uh, 
it is a it is a Euro uh, season, and you so you will be hearing from us uh, leading into that tournament. Probably use one of the international breaks to maybe do a stage setter as well. Uh, but until then, you're stuck with Everton and Aston Villa. This one at Goodison Park, the Bear Pit. Uh, Toffees plus 180, Villa plus 145, and a draw would pay out plus 250. Uh, these two teams met earlier this season, and it didn't go well for Everton. But boy, have things changed since then. Boy, boy, boy. Uh, for both teams, these are the number one and number two in BJ's power rankings. Uh, Everton, right. Everton in, in a class above Villa. Man, manager power rankings too. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, it does seem like uh, we're all in in some sort of agreement here that the the value side in uh, in this match. Which oh, people is, are gonna uh, hate Sunday, that, Michael. Sunday morning, it's people uh, hate it's, how much we bet on Everton. Yeah, uh, but don't worry, it won't. It will not. It, it will always be the right side, but and we'll we'll always be correct in our analysis. But will it win every time? Absolutely not. Will it win more I can't often believe, than not? Absolutely not. I can't believe I didn't. I I, I was such a coward uh, two weeks ago. I think it was what New Year's Eve. And they played Everton Wolves. I don't remember when the game was, but they played each other. And I came on and I said, I love the over. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to bet Everton instead. And then, of course, it goes over and Everton never showed up to the pitch. I mean, it was just like horrendous. Wolves overs. We don't get to do them this week. But yeah, no, I think Everton. I mean, this is like the eighth time in like 10 matches I'm betting Everton. We had like (laughs) a good run. You know, we won like four in a row. So we had to give some back, you know, right? And uh, and now we, we run again. Keep the market low. We got to keep the market low. We can't just let the market get out of whack. Then we can't bet Everton anymore. I make him a, just... a dead dead nut pick. Like yep, me too. Pick him plus one oh one. So if you get more than that, I'm fine with Everton. I would not be laying yeah. juice on the pick him here, but uh, you know, there's no. a few things here that are interesting to me. First of all, Calvert Lewin's suspension was overturned, so he'll be able to play in this one. That's nice. Uh, Toffee's, you know stylistically this is a fun matchup because Villa doesn't press right they play that high line they try to condense the space well Everton doesn't really care about you condensing <laughs> midfield space they're just going to they're just going to send it long it's kind of what Bournemouth did and Bournemouth had a ton of success against Villa in a very similar spot uh granted Bournemouth was plus a half but like from a from a matchup perspective you know Everton's just going to play over the top anyway uh, and then have runners off and i think if they're timing it well they can get a bunch of chances in behind this Villa defense, which I still think is a Ponzi defensively. Uh, and you're starting to see some cracks with Villa. You know, like the last three or four matches, they get the late goal to steal a point against Sheffield after they were pretty lackluster in attack for most of that match. I kind of think this sets up similarly where Sheffield's going to, or Everton's going to be very passive. Uh, and then, you know, against Burnley, like a red card happens and they're still not really dominating the match. So they get a late penalty, which really I thought was dubious. So, the biggest edge here for Everton is set pieces, though. Second in XG per set piece, Villa's dead last. They don't have great ball winners in the air, and thus they're not very good on set piece defense. That's where you can get this Villa team. I know this this just screams like Emmy Martinez masterclass. <laughs> I just like have that pictured. Like it's gonna end. It's gonna end one one. Well, already happened last year, if you remember. Yeah, Everton dominated end. them, and Aston Villa got two transition attacks and beat them two nothing. Mm-hmm. So yep, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with Anthony. I mean, the thing about it, like, you hit the nail on the head with Aston Villa wanting condensed space. Well, Everton just plays the ball out wide no matter what anyway. Like, they just want to send balls in the crosses. They don't play through the middle of the pitch. They are second in the Premier League in crosses completed into the penalty area. Um, looks like Decore is going to be back for this match, which is very, very big for them because... You know, with Everton playing a 4-4-1-1, one, one, 
Decore being this box crashing striker. I mean, he leads Everton in both touches and carries into the penalty area. Also 0.46 XG plus XA for 90 minutes. So a very, very important piece to what Everton wants to do offensively. And, I mean, Anthony mentioned it a couple weeks ago, but Aston Villa's road form this season has been terrible. Like, they're a minus 1.6 expected goal differential for 90 minutes, and they only have four wins. And if we dive into what those four wins were and how they came about, they dominated Mickey Burnley. Mouse. Early, yeah, they dominated Burnley early in the season. They beat a 10-man Chelsea team, one nothing, but they lost the expected goals battle. Beat Tottenham, but lost the expected goals battle, and then beat a 10-man Brentford team. Like, that's all they've done on the road. Other than that, they have not played well. So, obviously, Everton at Goodison Park been around a plus six point. They have been about a plus six expected goal differential. At home, great, great spot here for Everton. Yeah, I predicted Everton as like an ever, ever so slight favorite. So, I'm right on with Anthony. Um, you can find Everton draw bet bet plus 107 right now at bet365. So, that is what I have played, uh, and I would recommend for this match. This has somehow become an Everton podcast. It always has. Oh, kind of doesn't sit. It just doesn't really sit well with me, to be honest. But uh, that's okay. What doesn't sit uh, well with you? <laughs> I don't know. I, I like. I like misery. He would prefer uh, them suck and he get lucky yeah. to one. Well, you're, you're, you got your ten point deduction to be in a relegation battle. That's what more true. Do you you want? know what? You're right. What that's more do true. you want? That's true. <laughs> Thank you for the ten. That's what we want. Uh, love that kind of adversity. Burnley are a odds-on favorite against Luton Town. Uh, minus 106 at home. Luton traveling plus 280, and the the draw here is plus 280 as well. A relegation six-pointer. Uh, Luton Town can, if they get a win here and Everton uh, do not, they pull themselves out of the relegation zone for the time being because of the aforementioned 10-point deduction, although it did come out that Everton hired some uh, big wig lawyer or a barrister as they call him over there did they uh, super silly well, Ever- michael is Everton to one to be uh, in the top 10 yeah so not a bad uh, bet. if you believe maybe in we should super do that. Silk, if you believe in so, super silk's ability yeah, somebody in, needs in, to in the courtroom somebody one of our listeners can you dig into this lawyer how good he is how many cases these type of cases he's overturned <laughs> uh i would i don't mind a bet here on luton town i knew he was uh, gonna say it i, I know and i don't even so know obvious. what yep. I don't project uh, any value on this match. Me neither, but I I would lean toward Burnley. Interesting. Why? Well, like, Luton, they have been competitive at home. A lot of it's been shot-stopping from Kaminsky, who uh, is elite in goal this year. Third-best goal in the league by PSXG, plus four. Each of the last two years, he was a plus-three keeper goal saved in uh, the championship. Uh, But, like, okay, so Luton has been fine at home. Like, they've been relatively competitive they have played a very tough home schedule. Um, when they've gone away from home, I mean, it's been completely Disaster. uncompetitive. They got smoked at Sheffield. They got smoked at Everton, and they won both those matches by by miracle own goal, deflection, luck, and variance. They got they've given up at least two XG in every other match except one against Fulham, who played without a striker that day. They their their XG difference away from home minus one point seven. And we had this conversation like three a month ago when Sheffield went to Burnley. And I was like, look, I get that like Burnley is also bad, but like they're still, for me, a couple ticks above Luton and Sheffield, Burnley is. And thus, like at home, only minus 106. Like if, if I had to bet it, it would be Burnley. I make them minus 121. Um, I, Luton has attempted the fewest passes in the Prem by like a wide margin. They're not going to try to keep the ball. Right. 
they're not going to disrupt Burnley at all. So yeah, they're going to give Burnley the ball and Darren to break them down. But like Burnley, like I'm not going to say anything good about them. I just think that they're a notch better than than Luton Town and 270 is not good enough. 280 on Luton for me. I mean, yeah, but I certainly it, I see the point. Like the whole yeah, like so two shit teams, I mean, you know, take the dog and yeah. brace it. But. Yep. Luton is going to be limited in defense because obviously Lockyer is still out, but Kabore is off to half con. Marvelous Nakamba is also out injured, yep. so Carlton Morris looks like he's questionable as well. Um, but, you know, who's Burnley, for, they, have their own, Burnley? I mean, they have their own yeah. issues. Foster's, I mean, Lyle Foster, Foster has been pretty much everything to them. Yeah. He's questionable. Jordan Bayer, one of their center backs, is questionable. Koliosho is out like, for the rest of the season. So, um, yeah, this, one, this one looks ugly. It's ugly. <laughs> There's no way else way to put it. Yeah. Friday afternoon game. This one looks ugly. I like the dog. It's it's just purely uh And Luton was the better team when these two faced off last time. We I mean and it was at Luton, obviously. They did lose two one. If 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 either of these teams survive for relegation, it'll be a it'll be a shocker. I don't think there's really anybody that close anymore though. I mean, like obviously we know the table says Everton and Brentford are right there. Not really, though. Like, we know those teams are much better. Uh, and the market knows that, too. And then Forest have gotten a couple of results here with Nuno. So yeah, now, like, they are five points clear. Palace, I don't really see them falling. Fulham's got a head start. So it's, I mean, it might be that I think it's going to be a very boring relegation race. Yeah. Uh, we'll finish up with Chelsea and Fulham uh, for this segment. Chelsea minus one sixty seven, Fulham plus four twenty five. The draw here plus three twenty. Uh, can Chelsea just name it? Feels like I mean, can Chelsea ever just name it? I guess is is the real question. They can name their XG. Yeah, they yeah, exactly. they can do that. Well, they actually score the goals is another question. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, their their uh, poor finisher is gone now. And, He's and off like, to Afcon. That's true too. Um, three three wins from four for Chelsea, I believe. But you look at the the, the schedule that they've. It's uh, you know, a win at Sheffield, lost to Wolves, win it against Palace, and and a win against Luton So still, but but in that same conversation, is Fulham Fulham belongs in that in that group, right? So, uh, I don't think Chelsea's a bad parlay piece, maybe here if you're gonna play the money line or Anthony, uh, you seem tempted by laying a goal. Yeah, I'm tempted by Chelsea and the over. Uh, I, I think that they're both a little undervalued. I mean, what happened? Why is Chelsea bad defensively? That's a really interesting question that I can't really have a good answer for. Like, you look into the numbers, and it doesn't make a ton of sense. I mean, they press a ton, right? So they are relatively aggressive in trying to win the ball back. Um, number They're up there in the high turnovers, pass per defensive action. They're defensive midfielders, so Caicedo and... and uh, Fernandez have not been great in terms of ball winning. Like you look at their tackles per 90 interceptions are down. Uh, Gallagher has been really good. Now they have an interesting conundrum though. Like BJ mentioned it, like Jackson's out. So what do they do? A striker. They could play in Kunku there. Uh, they could play Palmer there, which is what they did in the cup. Then like, what do they do with Gallagher? Right. If they play Palmer off the right, then they could put Sterling in there, but Sterling hasn't been great. Like there's so many moving parts that I don't really know what the cohesive look is. And that's the only thing that scares me here. But I do think Chelsea's a little cheap. Like we talked about this Fulham team a bunch. Like Villa closed minus 170 at home against Fulham. I think Chelsea's better than Villa. Uh, Tottenham closed minus 200. I would rate Chelsea better than Spurs right now. I know that's crazy. And uh, Brighton closed right around minus 180 against Fulham. I think those teams are all 
you know, no worse or better, no, no better than Chelsea in any way. So why is Chelsea only minus 165? Uh, I think it's a little cheap. But again, like I hate this team because they just don't make sense with, with regards to numbers and XG and, and their defense is alarming. It's concerningly bad. Uh, but uh, ultimately, like with Palmer and Kunku fit, I think there's enough goals in this team to uh, make it work. So I lean toward Chelsea here, clearly, uh, and I bet Chelsea as well. So uh, Chelsea, yeah. money line or minus one is fine. So here's what I think is wrong with Chelsea. And I've been reading a lot of tactical people that follow Chelsea to try to get a better inkling of what's going on. Um, and essentially what is happening is Chelsea has kind of reverted back to this 3-1-6 buildup. And they're playing Enzo as a, as a high, like number 10, to, to aid that attack. Um, he's not that. He's a tremendous ball winner, and he's a great number six. Um, he's, a, he's, a great, he's a decent creator. Um, but the reality is, is that when you're playing him high, you're basically just leaving Caicedo as your only option to stop anybody who wants to play through the middle of the pitch. And like you said, Anthony, he hasn't been that great this season. So teams have been able to get at Chelsea transitionally. And then when you look at their back line, they're playing Colwell as a left back. Uh, that's not his natural position. He's a center back by trade. Uh, he's was very good at Brighton in that left center back position. And that has also left them uh, with somebody who's been getting beat down the right side of the pitch. So um, I agree with you. If anything, I'd play the over here. Um, Chelsea, again, they probably named their XG here. Um, but question is, can they finish? So um, for me, uh, over or anything, I think there's just too many. Like Anthony said, too many moving parts, too many things tactfully just wrong with Chelsea right now, um, despite the really, really good expected goal differential. So it's pets for me. All right, uh, let's do a quick jaunt around the rest of Europe in action here. Bundesliga first. You two both like Augsburg, Augsburg, and Berg, and uh, I'll, let, I'll tee it up with you first, BJ. Yeah, I mean, what could go wrong uh, fading Leverkusen? They haven't lost yet this season, but they're going to be without a couple key players, two of their center backs, Tepsoba. And Kasunu are both off to the Africa Cup of Nations. But most importantly, uh, Victor Boniface is out until April. And that is a massive loss for Leverkusen, who uh, has, he's put up a 1.1 uh, XG plus XA per 90 minutes. His replacement's going to be my guy Patrick Schick, um, but he hasn't played very much this season. So a much different striker uh, for Leverkusen. They're going to be facing an Augsburg team that uh, is very likes to play a low block. Um, but... The thing about Augsburg, you know, I have faded them a lot over the last few years and uh, because their expected old differential is always near the bottom of the Bundesliga. But this season, they've just been like an average Bundesliga team. Like they're a minus 0.25 XG differential per 90 minutes. Um, they're really good on set pieces, which is like the one weakness that Leverkusen has defensively. And Leverkusen, they've just been drastically overperforming all season. Plus 32 actual goal differential, plus 18 expected. So... With Leverkusen not having a couple of their key players, I think this is a good spot to to fade them and take Augsburg. It's like them plus one uh, at about hundred money. Yeah, so I mean, Leverkusen comes out; they take this, they take the entire league by storm, right? Uh, they started the year on this unreal run uh, against the spread. They were eight zero to start the year, right? And eventually, the market always catches up to teams, and I think you're starting to see it now. And I know they just smoked Eintracht and Bochum right before the break, but you saw them. You know, drop points to Stuttgart as a as a road favorite. You saw them drop points to Dortmund as a home favorite. Uh, you know, a couple of dicey wins against Hoffenheim and Freiburg, where they weren't really the better team and and failed to cover inflated spreads. And I kind of think that's what we have here 
you mentioned the injuries and the, the, the AFCON situation. Okay, well, let me read off some of this insane shot finishing numbers they've had this year. Alex Grimaldo, perfectly fine left back, gets into the box, gets to the end of the penalty area a decent amount. He has seven goals and five assists this year. His XG plus XA is five. So he's he's put up 12, 12 goal contributions from like five expected. And then you just look across the board. Every single player is having this unreal sun run. You know, Even Schick, you mentioned he's barely played this year. He's played one and a half matches. He has three goals on 1.5 XG. You look at uh, Verts has overperformed. Jonas Hoffman, who was like a very average finisher at Gladbach and now is having this unreal run with 10 goal contributions from 4.7 uh, expected contributions. Like th- everybody on the team uh, has, has had this unreal first half. Credit to them. Now they get this three weeks off uh, and they're coming back. And I think that there's just clear overvaluing of this team in the market against, like you said, an Osberg team that has played considerably better. They can be effective on transition and on set pieces. That's where Leverkusen still has some flaws uh, defensively. So yeah, I agree. It's not pretty betting against this Leverkusen team. You know, they're they're 12 uh, and four against the spread in the Bundesliga against the Asian handicap line. So good luck, but like, I'm, I'm happy to do it. All right. Syria, uh, uh, BJ, you're lighting it with Napoli. Yeah, so obviously Victor Oshman's off to AFCON, um, as well as Angisa. Um, But I think the market has downgraded Napoli a little bit too much, uh, just because mm. those two guys have gone. If you look at what Oshman has done this season in Napoli, he's only put around a .6 XG for 90 minutes. So it's not like he's putting up the elite elite numbers that we saw you know, over the last two seasons. Bula Diaz hurt for Salernitana, uh, and he's also on the Senegal roster, so he's not going to play in this match. Uh, Koulibaly, who's one of their main central midfielders, is also off to AFCON. So those are two key players gone right now for Salernitana. And the reality is, is that this Salernitana team, they're going to get relegated finally. They're by far the worst team in the in Serie A, around over a minus one XG differential per 90 minutes. And the really worrying thing here is, I don't know how they're going to play out in Napoli's press. Like Napoli's number one in Serie A in passive defensive action and high turnovers. Now that they don't have Dia available, they don't have an outlet to, to play very, very direct. So they're just going to get smothered inside their own final third and, not ha- and just hope and pray to God from their low block that they can keep them out. But, um, you know, Napoli's gone on a really poor finishing run as late last six Serie A matches. They've only scored two goals, despite creating 7.3 expected. And they're second in Serie A and non penalty expected goals. So, uh, he, and one last thing, they played Salonitan earlier this season. At Salonitana, they beat them 2 nothing without Oshman, who was injured at the time. So, uh, Napoli, minus one and a half at even money, is way too short for me against the worst team in Serie A. Yeah, I, I kind of think Napoli is a weird case because the, they have been downgraded, and I wonder if the market is just waiting these Mazzari results because they've been objectively worse since he came yeah. in. Yeah, That's the have, one thing. Yeah. And that's the thing that's a little scary for me laying it here. I actually was going to take Salonitana, but I, I decided to pass. Oh, the number, no. The number was not quite there. Oh, no. Uh, it's well. The, the last time I had that conversation, I, I love them against Milan at home because, like, even the worst team in the league that we know stinks, and that like BJ and I, you know, we have the relegation ticket. We talked about them in the preseason. They're still going to cover sometimes, and they were at home against Milan, and I was like, ah, and like this Milan fraud at it again, and uh, and of course I didn't bet it, and they drew. But you know, this Napoli team doesn't look right, and you got you know all the vibes have been off too, and it's like Osimen with the whole like. Like the Napoli Twitter account was was like posting racist stuff, and then now you have uh, Kavaradana's agent 
Kavardan is agent calling out Osamen. Yeah. Like all of this crazy stuff is happening. His response is great, he, though. I gotta say, it was. It was. Uh, yeah, crazy. All the shit that's been happening in Napoli this year. But yeah, they're definitely yeah. worse from uh, since Mazzari came in. That's the only thing that scares me a little bit. Is like, well, if that's real signal. Then they're just not that good. All right. Anything else here in Syria? Ah? Roma's intriguing against Milan. Uh, both teams played in the midweek. Uh, Milan and Roma both went out of the Coppa Italia. Like Roma's attack was completely lifeless against Lazio in a big Derby Cup match. Like that's kind of just like classic Roma. They just like don't always show up. But um, from a numbers perspective, I think Roma is still the better team. So you could take them. I also think Fiorentina's pretty wildly overrated. Like their box numbers have fallen off considerably this year with you know how their team has changed. Losing Amrabat, I think, has hurt their midfield. Uh, and they're just like a very bang average Serie A team that gets priced better than that. So I, I lean them. I like, excuse me, I like Udinese against them in that matchup as well. So those are two dogs that I'm looking at, Roma, Udinese. Okay. Uh, BJ, you're on your own here in La Liga and Legal. Yeah, so uh, just another Sevilla fade. Sevilla's bringing in a couple guys during the uh, transfer window who won't play uh, in this match, so um, be on the lookout for them maybe improving a little bit, but it's the same Sevilla team that's bad in transition defense. They got dominated by Bill Bao in their last match. Um, but they're taking on Alavis, who is one of the more underrated teams in the bottom half of the table in La Liga. Does have a positive expected goal differential on the season. Good transitional team. Good low block defense. So I only projected uh, Sevilla around plus 120. They're sitting around minus 115. So decent price on Alavis. And then PSG against Lons in uh, Ligue 1. Probably the best match of the weekend there. Uh, Lons just really isn't that good this season. They only have about a plus two expected goal differential. They're overperforming both offensively and defensively. Defensively, it just comes down to the fact that Bryce Samba, their keeper, has just been standing on his head over and over and over again. Um, but PSG is considerably better than they have been in years past. And their ability to confess, their ability to dominate possession, and their ability to progress the ball of the pitch has gotten much, much better against Enrique. So... I trust their ability here um, with basically everybody available. If Kimmy is the only one that's going to be leaving for AFCON, while for Lions, their best central midfielder, Samad, is off to AFCON as well. So that leaves a gaping hole against a pretty full-strength PSG team who beat them 3-1 earlier this season and really controlled them. So uh, PSG minus 105 and Alabase plus a half minus 110. Okay, here we go. If we had a spotlight, if we had a stage with lighting. We dim the lighting, make it nice and dark around Anthony and myself, and a spotlight would just come down on Iowa's foremost Africa Cup Nations handicapper, BJ Cunningham. This is I I can't tell you how much I love AFCON, Michael. Uh it's just a it's a really, really fun tournament. So um this tournament's gonna be very, very interesting. If you remember the last tournament the favorite Senegal won. Um Right now, Morocco is the favorite after obviously going to the semifinals of the World Cup. But what makes this tournament amazing is the fact that there have just been so many different winners over the years. We've had a crazy run from Zambia, who was 40 to 1 pre tournament. You know, Burkina Faso has made it to the final at 50 to 1. It's just a really, really fun tournament. So um, I wrote up an entire, very long preview of the Africa Cup Nations that you can read on the actionnetwork.com. It's also pinned to the top of my Twitter right now. Um, but the gist of it is this. So the couple future bets that I like. Number one is Nigeria at 11-1. to 1. Really, really good attack. 
so much talent. Obviously, they have the best player in this tournament in, uh, in Oshiman. Well, I guess you could argue maybe Sal is the best player, but one of the best players, uh, Oshiman, Ianacho, Lookman. They have so much talent in that attack. They have Premier League experience in their midfield uh, with Alex Awobi, Joe Aribo, and their defense is kind of questionable. So they're sitting at 11 to 1. The reality is, is that their results really haven't been that great. They drew back to back World Cup qualifying matches against Zimbabwe and Lesotho. So uh, people are really questioning Nigeria of like how good actually are they? What talent wise, they're really good. And the underlying process numbers have been great as well. Around a plus 1.2 XE differential per 90 minutes over the last two years in Africa. That's second best behind only tournament favorites, Morocco. So I don't think Nigeria should be priced at a below, you know, Cameroon and Egypt. They should be up there with Senegal and Morocco here. And the other one future that I like, I'll just be quick here. Mali, 25 to 1, maybe the best midfield in the entire tournament uh, with Basuma uh, and Kamara, who plays for Monaco. Uh, they can overrun a lot of teams, and I really like them in their group against Tunisia. Uh, if you want to bet one of these teams in kind of the middle tier, they have to have something that can drive them through the tournament. And having their midfield really can. they got a couple of young strikers that play at Salzburg. So a very underrated Mali team that's third best expected goal differential in Africa over the last two years. So those are the two futures that I've uh, gone with. And real quick, two golden boots. Uh, Girasi, 40 to 1. Kudus, 40 to 1. Uh kind of crazy prices for two of the hottest strikers on the planet right now. Um, and then uh, a couple of matches that, and if you're somebody who wants to follow along throughout this tournament, um, I will have picks every single day on my Twitter um, and uh, my daily call unexpected goals will serve as the write-up uh, for that. So if you want to follow along throughout this entire tournament, you can just follow me on Twitter um, for individual match plays, but a couple that I'm targeting real quick and I'll just mention them. Uh, Mali plus 110 uh, in their first match against South Africa. Uh, Guinea in their second match against uh, of the group stage against Gambia uh, plus 140. And then Zambia drawn a bet plus 110 in their first match against the Democratic Republic of Congo. So that's what I have for AFCON. Asian Cup is kind of weird. I wrote a full Asian Cup preview that you can read on the actionnetwork.com as well. It's very top-heavy with Japan and South Korea. So um, if you want more stuff on the Asian Cup, you can just read it on theactionnetwork.com. That's beautiful. Thank you. Uh, BJ, well, I'll be uh, following along mightily. It is quite a tournament. I mean, the matches uh, are just, you know, during... it's, just, it's, a, it's a slow time, right? European it calendar is. takes a little bit of a pause here. Uh, we got, like, random EFL Cup. Spanish Super Cup final is this weekend. Real Madrid beat Atleti. I'm expecting it to be Real Barca. Probably going to be betting Barcelona, just like expecting Real to be about a quarter goal favorite on a neutral. Don't agree with that. I think Barca is just as good. So probably going to be betting Barca, assuming they get past Osasuna on Thursday. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm locked in for AFCON. Going to be tailing BJ. Going to have to do some own work to find out what my future is going to be. I'll put it in our Discord and probably tweet it. But uh, tournament starts, what, three days? Saturday, Ivory Coast yeah. and uh, getting to Sal. First match. And then the Asian Cup starts Friday in Qatar. Uh, Qatar is playing Lebanon. Okay. Uh, let's really quickly just give out a best bet for the Premier League. There's only five matches, so there's going to be a little bit of uh, doubling up here. BJ and I, uh, we both like Deverton. I'll let you take that one. Uh, but I'll, just for, just for to be different, I'm going to say Luton Town. I just don't believe in this Burnley team at all, and I think that the price is, is high enough uh, to try to take them on and beat them even at home. So. I'll take uh, the Hatters in a relegation six-pointer. All right, BJ. 
Yeah, Everton draw no bet plus 107 at home against Aston Villa. Uh, really good matchup because Everton does everything that Aston Villa allows you to do. Aston Villa wants to condense the space in the middle of the pitch. They want to play a high line. Well, Everton's just going to play direct balls over the top. They're going to play balls out wide to try to send in crosses, which is going to work really well against this Aston Villa team. Everton also scored 11 goals out of set pieces. That's tied for the most in the Premier League. Aston Villa dead last next year for set piece. And these two teams have played twice already this season. Aston Villa beat them pretty badly early on, but they played in the NFL Cup. Everton won the match 2-1, and what happened in that match is Everton scored two goals off of high turnovers, which is a big, big advantage for them here because Everton is really, really good out of possession with their ability to not only press teams high and cause problems, but to also play good defensive low blocks. So if they want to come out and press Aston Villa, I think they can really disrupt their build-up play here. I mean, Everton has forced the second most high turnovers in the Premier League. So a good spot here for Everton at home, who has a plus six expected goal differential at Goodison Park, but against Aston Villa, who's had some shaky road form. Minus 1.6 expected goal differential overall this season. So I like Everton drawing a bet at plus 107. I'm going to go with Chelsea minus one at home against Fulham. Uh, just really think that this Chelsea team like is sorting through what their best attack is. But when Palmer and Kunku are out there, they have a lot of shots, a lot of shot creation for others. Uh, and even though they're defensively still a little bit shaky, uh, I think this price is shorter than it should be because of their recent form, their bumps in the road they've had, uh, and that they're undervalued to win this match. And of course, we wouldn't be the Wonder Goal podcast without giving out a couple of Australian Open futures. Anthony <laughs> and I are kind of in agreement that if you're going to play the top of the board, it'd be Yannick Sinner, I believe. Uh, at what, yeah. that he's you could get him as high as seven to one, eight to one. Yeah, it's going to be Sinner for me. I think I, I don't trust Alcaraz, and I'm not going to bet Djokovic. So yeah, and and I think Djokovic is is his lack of kind of fitness towards the end of last year, and the fact that he played so much makes him uh, that number a little tricky. Um, I'm a, of course going to make my annual or quad dry and quad annual. Would you say for for four uh, four times a year? Um, donation on Andre Rublev, of course. Uh, he will go to 0-10 in, in Grand Slam quarterfinals uh, as well. So Rublev, Sinner, I think we, we could also be talking about a little Daniel Medvedev action as well. So on that note, uh, hopefully you, you cash some AFCON, you, you cash some Australian Open futures. You could hit Asia, Africa, Australia, mm-hmm. and Europe all in one podcast. Not many That's people true. are going to be, be able to do that. In one hour, but Anthony BJ and my BJ and myself can, uh, and we will uh, until we see you again. Uh, thank you for listening to Wonder Goal. Thank you to our sponsor Bet Three Six Five. I'm on vacation next week, so it'll just be those two gentlemen over there uh, without me. Uh, best of luck with all your bets in Africa, in Europe, in Australia, and in Asia. Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.